Hi everybody. Welcome back to Childhood History and Critique. I'm Pat Ryan and this time I have a conversation with Stephanie McBride Schreiner and Kristen McCabe Lashawa, historians who have recently or are currently completing their doctoral work. Stephanie was a student of Rachel Fuchs and earned her PhD in November of 2014 from Arizona State University's School of Historical, Philosophical, and Religious Studies. Her dissertation was entitled Medicalizing Childhood, Pediatrics, Public Health, and Children's Hospitals in 19th Century Paris and London. She is pursuing a career in academic publishing and public history. Kristen is defending her dissertation in April at the University of Virginia's Corcoran Department of History. She worked with legal historian Paul Holliday, and her dissertation is entitled Children at the Birth of Empire, 1600 to 1760. She has recently landed a tenure-track position at a small liberal arts college in Southern California. Our conversation has been divided into two parts. In part one, I asked Stephanie and Kristen about how and why they became historians of childhood. I was also interested in how they understand or use the idea of childhood history to explain or represent what they do relative to other fields in the discipline. In part two, we turn to questions about the profession of history, the training of historians, and careers in history. I wanted to get their perspective on what are now perennial questions about labor equity at universities, as well as the challenges of job security and scarcity in the social sciences and the humanities. I hope you enjoy this discussion as much as I did. Take care. Uh, Stephanie, you're in Scottsdale. What's the weather like out there? Oh, the weather is beautiful. It's um, a little warm for my taste in March, but it it's in the mid-80s, sunny, um, quite nice for spring break weather, I'd say. Oh, I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, how about down in Virginia? How, how's, how's your weather? It's not too bad. You know, it's not freezing, so we're just grateful for that at this point. <laughs> After have, you very, cold, have you had a cold winter? We've had a pretty cold, I mean, for Virginia, it's been pretty cold. So it's nice that it's warming up a little bit. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm glad. I don't have sympathy, really, for, for either of you. <laughs> Here in Ontario, we had our coldest uh, We had our coldest February, you know, on record. Wow. Oh. Just so you don't feel bad, I grew up in western New York, oh. um, south of Buffalo. So for the first 25 years of my life, I I could certainly empathize with your situation. But you were smart enough to get away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Some of us actually went north, so I guess we have no one to blame but ourselves. Say, our, our conversation today is a really about the profession of history, and, and I've asked both of you who are, are new uh, PhDs or finishing your dissertation, defending later this spring, uh, to, to really have a conversation with me about the profession. But I, I want to I start with um, your work. Perhaps um, we could go to Stephanie first, and you could say a little bit about yourself and your doctoral research question is, 
that I have for both of you is why did you choose to engage in the, the work that you did uh, as it relates to the history of childhood? So, Stephanie? I guess I, I need to go back a little bit further um, before I went back to school because that kind of frames the reason why I entered into the study of um, the history of childhood. I actually was a non-traditional student. I had a major in history um, and undergraduate, and then I ended up working, not in the history field, but I ended up working for a nonprofit here in Tempe, Arizona, that serviced children and families. And I coordinated a children's program uh, for nine years, and I was also a child abuse prevention advocate uh, for the state of Arizona as well. And so mm -hmm. I went back to school um, while I was going, I went back for my master's, I should say, while I was still working full time. And I earned my master's one, one class at a time. Um, and it was at the time that I received my master's, I had a mentor, her name's Rachel Fuchs, and she, uh -huh. she wrote a book called Abandoned Children, where she looked at the um, Paris Foundling Home. And she wrote a social history on the Paris Foundling Home, Enfant Trouvé. And my work expanded on her work, but I, um, because of my own experience, my own career, and working in the social services field with children and families, and those experiences framed my own interests considerably. So my work really looks at the 19th century urban children hospitals as a site for exchange and communication and as opportunities for local and national entity to preserve the health of the nation. And it really was an exciting adventure for me, not only getting to travel to Paris and London and look at the archives, but it, it also was a, it was a journey of discovery. Initially, I probably went into the project wanting to do a social history of institutions. And I ended up in the realm of the history of childhood a little bit by chance. My sources brought me face to face with these children and reading line by line entries in the admission record, I, I started to feel a connection with these children in a way that really brought them to life for me. So in, in your story, you have a, a background in the social policies and institutions that involve families and children, and then you got involved in graduate studies in, in history, and those two worlds were kind of brought together gradually, not necessarily as part of a larger plan. You started paying attention to children within the institutions and thinking about it in that way. And that's, that's kind of familiar with, in the historiography, we have a, a long-standing literature on policies and institutions and programs, and one of the things that that literature produced over the last 50 years is a more and more attention to the children and youths within the institutions. Kristen, what's, what's, what's your story at? Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, your road to producing your uh, dissertation entitled Children at the Birth of Empire. 
So I became interested in uh, doing children's history as an undergraduate, um, but I decided as I was uh, thinking about graduate school and applying for graduate programs that I wanted to do early modern history and um, specifically early modern uh, history of the British Empire. And I, I thought at that point, well, I can't really do children then because it just won't be in the source, uh, the sources and you know, I thought the only way I could do history of children or childhood during this period would be sort of like in a, in a schoolhouse setting or maybe in the uh, apprenticeship setting. But I really didn't think I could do it with the empire. So I kind of changed um, my focus a little and started my first semester of graduate school doing a research paper on the Virginia Company. As I was reading through the Virginia Company records, they started talking about shipments of children. I was surprised. I didn't know anything about that. And as I sort of started looking into this, um, what, you know, what were they talking about sending shipments of children to Jamestown, right, as the colony was struggle struggling for survival? I discovered that the city of London and the Virginia Company worked together mm -hmm. to send hundreds of children off the streets of London and send them to Jamestown. So it kind of started there. Then the more I did research, I realized that this wasn't just sort of a, a, a singular occurrence, that this actually was the beginning of um, the idea that sending children out into the empire, whether to the colonies or employing them in the Navy, that this could be a philanthropic effort. And so I sort of traced this idea from Jamestown, from those uh, several hundred children sent to Jamestown, through to the Marine Society, which was established to send, equip and send boys into the Navy during the Seven Years' War and sent about 5,000 boys into the Navy during the war. Um, so I talk about the charitable impulses, um, at least what was perceived then as a charitable impulse mm -hmm. to employ children in this way uh, during this time. And then I talk about also that this uh, rise of kidnapping that sprung up right alongside it um, this is where we get the word kidnapping. It originally meant to steal children to sell them to plantations in the New World. And so I talk about the sort of legal and illicit um, global migration of children in the early British Empire. So th those are two, two different stories of, of how people come to the historical study of childhood. How do you each see childhood history relative to other ways you might identify, other fields where you might identify yourself within the discipline of history? Or put it this way, would childhood history even make it into most conversations where you weren't dealing with other historians? That's a really good question, Patrick. I think that listening to Kristen talk and, and just how she describes looking at the sources and seeing how children are everywhere in these sources that you might not you might not have thought that children would be a big part of the sources. I've, I have the same situation looking at public health surveys by Edwin Chadwick and French authors like Louis uh, Rene Zermay. Children were everywhere. And children were a huge um, concern um, for whatever 
period of history that you're looking at, um, at least from the 1600s on. So I really considered myself to be a social historian as I entered into my dissertation writing. And um, the history of childhood was kind of a new discovery for me. And, um, and actually, as I got more into my dissertation, I realized that I needed to do a lot more reading on the history of childhood. For me, it was kind of exciting because I felt like I was filling a gap and bringing children into these other, these other types of history and historical inquiry. Kristen, I want to give you a chance to jump in. In terms of the categories that we use to divide the discipline, how do you negotiate those, or how have you? And I know you're in the process of having to start this negotiation in a new stage, but what are your thoughts along those lines? Sure. Well, I think as Stephanie was saying, it's, I mean, the history of childhood, to me, one of the things that's so fascinating about it and that is so makes it so vital is that it really connects a lot of different histories together. And so, you know, I have the history of the family alongside the history of the growth of the state, alongside the history of English law, alongside the history of, um, you know, global exploration. And it is all brought together through using age as a category of analysis. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's been... You know, it's kind of interesting because sometimes um, the reaction I'll get from other historians is like childhood. Why would you why would you want to work on that? But mm-hmm. as you explain sort of your project, I think it becomes clear how relevant it is to a lot of different things that people talk about. And I think, too, it helps to have interdisciplinary conversations. I've found, you know, discussing my work with, say, sociologists or anthropologists or people in different um, disciplines that they immediately start latching on to different things that I'm talking about. So I think it it helps us to have conversations within uh, the field of history and then to also uh, broaden out the conversations we're having with people outside of our discipline as well. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things that's unique about the field, and this is consistent, I think, with the stories that you're telling is that Childhood is a a category where you think about that as either a field of study or a set of questions that that can be addressed historically. Because it's not as well established as some other fields, it puts you in a position of having to justify and and, and to think through and to have a reason for. And in some sense, that can be a weakness in that the door might not always be open. Um, but it can also be a strength in that good work, good intellectual work, is supposed to be reflexive. It's supposed to have, you're supposed to think about why you're framing questions the way you are. And the degree that it forces us into that situation, I think it, it probably serves us well. And I think we're all gonna, and the thing is, there's not one answer to that, to that question of why. You talk about, let's say, the way that it links with the history of emotions and its development that Kristen was discuss- discussing, a movement away from Lois de Maas's psychohistory toward a broader sense of sensibilities, or the question of children's agency, um, the centrality of childhood to the concept of, of biopolitics, if biopolitics is the main, main 
focus, focus point of understanding the modern state. Those are all different kinds of responses. But one thing that they share is that they're, they're thought out responses. It seems to me that that's one, one benefit of the area. But that, that's entailed with the fact that it's not particularly well institutionalized. You've been listening to part one of a conversation with Stephanie McBride Schreiner and Kristen McCabe Lashawa, recorded in March 2015 for Childhood History and Critique. Part two can be found on the website of the Society for the History of Children and Youth.